for what is probably the billionth time, welcome back to For The Record Podcast. Um, Obviously, I haven't been posting anything. I've been very slow about it. Um, I believe the last episode I posted was at the very end of October. Um, And I think the only thing I can really say for this is just that I was not having, uh, I was not having the greatest year. Um, and things, there were, there were a lot of things that were going on. There were some great aspects and some really wonderful things, but there were some things that were really taking a toll on my mental health. If I'm going to be totally upfront and honest about it. And I'm happy to say that those few months off were really nice and well needed. And I'm very, I'm very grateful, uh, to be back and doing something that I love because I love doing the show. I love writing interviews. I love recording the interviews. I, I love everything about what I've been doing with shameless. And I think it just needed to take some time and step back and work on, work on myself for a little bit, if that makes any sense. But anyway, um, I'm going to just get right into this. This is this was not a traditional podcast episode um, in the fact that I decided to make it a podcast after the fact. I did an interview with a band uh, called May that were very uh, – they were prominently known within the alternative rock uh, community, if you want to say that. What, whatever you would call – I just call it the Warped Tour community because most of those bands would end up on Warped Tour as it was. But within the um, – maybe alternative punk. I don't know what you'd call it, but within that scene, um, between like 2003 and 2010, they took a little bit of a break and, uh, they ended their career, uh, after several years, they'd put out two records on, uh, to the nail records before moving to Capitol records. And then they, after some time off, they just came back and put out a self-titled record, um, called multi-sensory aesthetic experience, which, uh, st- if the, uh, initials of that is may. Um, and we talk a lot about this in the interview. This was a written article that went up. Uh, the edited interview is up on shamelesspromo.net Now it went up a little while ago. Um, I think maybe last week, if I'm correct, it could have been the week before. I'm not sure, but, um, this is the unedited audio. Um, <laughs> that came with the interview. Um, and I asked the guys because I really enjoyed the conversation because they were really doing some amazing things with virtual reality technology and integrating that into a live music experience. And, um, I wanted, I asked them if they were cool with me using it and they said yes. So this was recorded off my phone. The quality is not the greatest. Unfortunately, I don't know why, because the, the iPhone is actually, been pretty decent with me in past recordings. Maybe I, th- I think I may have been covering the microphone. I'm not 100% sure. But um, I edited it the best that I could to make it sound uh, good enough. And we're gonna, we're just gonna go from here then. So without further ado, here's episode 130 of For the Record podcast with May. Welcome back, everybody. New episode Friday. I used to do video and stopped because it just got really tedious, but 
a lot of people would turn it down because not because of doing the interview but because then people would think okay i have to be camera ready now and i have to look a certain way and it has to be lighting and there's it's got easier to just pull my phone and hit record Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so this is the stupid typical question everybody asks but just for my purpose of transcribing this later go around say your name and what you play in may it doesn't have to be super formal but just like a quick audio identifier uh i am jacob Marshall, and I play drums. I'm Zach Garing, I play guitar. I'm Dave Elkins, and I sing. Awesome. Okay, perfect. Um, so first off, uh, obviously this came out last year, but uh, huge congrats on the release of the record. I love Thank it. You. Yeah, it's really fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, so multi-sensory aesthetic experience. Uh, the first thing I guess I want to start off with is this album really shows you guys doing something that I was talking with them a little bit about this earlier, but I'm seeing a lot of bands starting to do this now, which is throwing the idea of just one straightforward genre out of the window and really letting go of the perception that everything has to sound exactly like the last record or stay within a certain kind of zone. What was the catalyst for you guys as songwriters that made you start to maybe question or experiment with the way you approached how you would write these songs moving forward? Mm. Um, I think over the years, there are little glimpses of that in, mm-hmm. in, in previous May albums. Um, we've got uh, some, some songs from the early 2000s that kind of have like an indie rock kind of alternative feel, and then we started to experiment with electronic sounds and we started to experiment and and kind of just like learn from other genres and other records that were made and using the studio as an instrument itself kind of allows you to start at a place where you're not necessarily thinking about genre or you're not thinking about chorus one or uh, what the previous album sounded like really just kind of using the creative space to go in any direction that is inviting Mm. and um we had a lot of time that we got to spend making this record because there was no pressure of particular deadline when you put the band down for a while and then pick it back up you do it at your own pace. And so for us, that pace included a lot of creative time. And um, May's been a band that, um, you know, our album title is also our true band name, Multi-Sensory Aesthetic Experience. It's a self-titled record for mm-hmm. us. And so when you throw a, a mission statement and a, a band name like Multi-Sensory Aesthetic Experience out there, then you're gonna hopefully take some risks and you're gonna kind of spend a little bit more time uh in the creative process and that's what making this record was for us that we weren't like really trying to avoid genre or um stick to a genre or two i think we just had collected the ideas uh uh to put an album together and this is how it came out and i do remember feeling like the album could be disjointed if we didn't kind of establish a a thread to go across the entire thing. I think that the thread we established was just 
multi-sensory aesthetic experience, really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think at this point, um, we do get turn- turned on by all different types of genres and, and um, anti-genre and stuff like that, too. <laughs> so if, if that kind of uh, shows itself in, in this record, I think it's just because... You know, we love music, and it doesn't have to be one specific genre anyway. And and May kind of, uh, to be our best May, it doesn't really get to be genre-specific at the end of the day. It also actually uh, helps, uh, in, in relation to the question, um, yeah. and kind of coming back and creatively approaching um, these ideas, <clears throat> we haven't really been around each other Individually for a long time, because we live in different parts of the country, mm-hmm. and so if we don't make a record or we don't play shows, we're not with each other, and mm-hmm. so we're exploring our own ideas um, on our own time um, for years at a time, months at a time, and we'll come back together. Uh, so when we came back to write this record um, or kind of build ideas for this record, we're coming from three very different places. So May's cohesive identity is one of incohesiveness kind of thing. Okay. So um, we kind of have a blank slate from the start simply because we're all coming from very different areas creatively when we come back together. We have to reorient ourselves um, to one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of resets um, May just for each, for each different record. Yeah, interesting. Um, I read in a, I think it was a, a press asset that I'd gotten that, uh, you guys had mentioned that the theme of the album is keep moving forward. And I was curious to know if there was any particular track that you feel embodies that idea of keep moving forward more than maybe one particular, maybe more than others on the record. Hmm. I'm going to say for me, um, it starts with the song Sing like is really kind of the beginning of the story you know kaleidoscope is the first track when you see the record online yeah it's actually the last track on the album when you get it on the disc interesting on the vinyl and part of that is because uh there's a freedom in how we get to release music now that didn't really exist when we were first starting out Mm -hmm. as a band and I would say conceptually at the heart of this story is the idea that the journey is cyclical or almost like a spiral more than it is linear. And so the idea that the very first song could also be the last song is is kind of symbolic of that. Um, And in a way, there's a lyric in that song, uh, Dave sings, uh, open up until you know there's more than either or. And that idea of recognizing the limitations of the previous system and breaking out of that, expanding beyond that, is how I think we've each had to kind of deal with limitations in our own life. It's not really an either or. It's like, how do we actually redefine the paradigm entirely? How do we break out of this rut where you feel like you're in the same thing over and over again and it's not getting better, sometimes it's getting worse, but you know that there's more to your life than, than what's happening. Absolutely. Now. To move forward means to actually transcend and include all of the things that have made you who you are 
and recognize that as part of the journey, but you're you're moving in a new dimension or a new direction. And so it's really, you know, personally, it was it was about all sorts of things from just you know old ways of thinking, old ways of being, uh, and asking really fundamental questions about what's possible instead. Yeah. Interesting. Really interesting. Uh, so I guess to kind of go back on something that you were saying a little bit earlier, I guess to set the scene, it's it had been nearly 10 years since you guys had put out any new music. You'd gone on the hiatus around like 2010, 2011, if I remember correctly. When you finally do start bringing everyone back together, how do you approach, and given that you said that you all live in different parts of the country, how do you go about going into a studio or writing these songs? Was it something that felt natural or was it something that I guess maybe took a bit more effort to get back into the groove of? Both. I, I want to say it, it always feels natural um, and this way that if we put us in a room together we're going to even if the idea is not to make music right if you just kind of put us in a room yeah, <laughs> um, then it's going to go in that direction and eventually we'll be somewhere in your instrument. Someone's going to pick up the guitar exactly. at some point. And we'll start communicating <laughs> that and that's like this kind of and I'm sure the other guys will have uh, their own take on this, but when it comes to actually um, becoming intentionally creative with an idea uh, or with an ambition to kind of do something, write something, or um, then, I mean, for me personally, there's this kind of reorientation that um, it can be uncomfortable at times, it can be uh, affirming, at times, um, it's always a learning process, and so whatever comes with learning, they just kind of push and pull between insecurities and excitement and inspiration, and then all over again type of thing. Um, so I think that with May's creative process, it's both a kind of um, re resting or depending on our faith in one another. Uh, to pull each other out of certain places we don't want to be and kind of get each other kind of moving and, and moving forward you know, to, to your last question, being productive, um, versus making it difficult for ourselves. I mean, Dave has Schematic Studios now, and you know, to see him just kind of... I remember like waking up in the studio like like 11.30 or 12 a.m., and they're just milling over some some bar or some measure you know like so you have this possibility because you dozed off for a minute yes <laughs> I like, usually wake up at 11.30pm <laughs> I'm usually asleep like 9pm I was like that's super ambitious yeah. <laughs> um, wakes up so early it's late <laughs> but, uh, but you know they'll be milling over something and the possibilities that are that were, were specific to this record kind of um, made this process very meticulous, um, very uh, deliberate, uh, and very patient. Um, so yeah, there's like a lot of answers to the question I gave you three or four. No, you're good. Maybe they were driven. No, I have to brag on Dave too, because he was not only creating and performing, but also producing. And so to kind of wear both of those hats, to be both a producer and the artist, it's a lot to balance, yeah. a lot to juggle. And he just did such a great job with it. He was able to create a space of comfort when it needed to be comfortable, but also like push things along when we were kind of stuck. And it was like a really delicate balance to strike. And I thought he did an amazing job with that. Mm -hmm. 
the benefit of a producer in most cases, if it's someone else, is this kind of objective year. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps you, keeps the band on the path of just kind of like not going off into the inroads of creative milieu uh, <laughs> too much. Um, so to have to play both roles of wanting to be creatively ambitious as the yeah. artist versus let's think holistically here, what's the end game? Um, as a producer, um, yes, it's a very difficult task um, to do responsibly. Very well put. I got lost in it. I'm <laughs> Be in therapy for six months. Something will come up, and I'm like, "Oh, the album!" Because yeah. <laughs> it w- it was a lot of um, intention, and then also being uh, unaware at times of what the intention is, and just having to sit and wait and figure that out. And sometimes that's like straight up lyrical, you know, like what story are we telling? And sometimes it's it's just sonics, you know, things that uh, a lot of people in the final mix don't even really get to pick up on yeah um the layering um it uh to say ambitious is because we knew what our ambitions were you know um we wanted to push boundaries we wanted to uh, of ourselves we wanted to kind of marry organic and synthetic Mm -hmm. uh sounds we wanted to write our best story songs um we wanted to tell our story in a way that was immediately known to us that uh once these songs are out there everyone's and so how do we write something that can self-express where we are and know that the second that we let it go that we're inviting people to make it their own and and through that process you end up learning a whole lot about yourself and your songs after they're out because people come up to you and they say, oh, this song, this means this to me. And I go, oh, I never thought of it that way because I was kind of stuck in my own journey and I, I took it to mean this. And, um, you know, I, I think that as I get older, uh, within May, um, those are the things I understand just a little bit of to where I want to find out how we can all be included, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, the members of May the audience members of May, like how can we be in this together? And I think that uh, this album uh, of Moving Forward, like you said, uh, is something that is an invitation invitation for all of us. And uh, I, I believe that we, we succeeded in, in that endeavor for sure. Nice. Um, I know that you guys were on Tooth & Nail Records for your first two records before you... Uh, went to Capitol for Singularity, but you guys have now since returned to Teeth and Nail for the self-titled record. Um, my question was, uh, I'm like, I'm always curious about the business and the way that things kind of happen and how relationships re- reignite. How was that relationship reignited between you guys? And I guess who approached you and who in regards to teaming up again for this record? Um, I had produced a, a band, um, and, um, reached out to Tooth Nail directly and I said you guys should check this band out and they said no thanks <laughs> I did not know this true story oh, amazing produced this EP and um, no, was really proud of it the songs should get the band's good but it's more of a thing where like <laughs> labels aren't taking risks on, on young up and coming bands and yeah. kind of proven what they're capable of beyond just like a couple of songs recorded. Yeah. And so I, I sent uh, these songs to uh, our friend Jim, who's the CFO at Tooth and & Nail, 
And um, simultaneously on our Facebook, I believe at the time, we we wrote something on our bio that said like looking for management or something. Free agents, I think yeah. is what we called ourselves. And so Jim goes, you know, thanks for the music, it's cool, but we're not looking to sign any like really young bands right now. But I see that you're in the studio a lot these days and um, what's the plan there? And so well, we don't know what the plan is just yet, but we're finding opportunities to be creative around each other for the first time in a long time. And then they just said very simply, you know, we've always, and Tooth and Nail's always been as supportive and has given us free reign of our own creativity. Um, there aren't requests to write catchy songs or do this or that on behalf of this common goal of the band and the label. It's just like, you make the album you want to make, we believe that we can do our part to spread the word and we've been really good together in the past. And so that was really all it took for us. I mean, of course we had to go through the negotiation process of, of signing a contract that everybody wanted um, to sign, but uh, I mean, even down to our virtual reality endeavors that we were looking to make a part of, of this album, Tooth and Nail was just like, hey, if you guys have vision, then we're gonna support it. And so, um, the label had changed as far as the staff members from when May was putting out Destination Beautiful and, and the Everglobe uh, back in 2003, 4, 5, those years. But um, they uh, allowed us to um, put out morning, afternoon, and evening, uh, our EPs after our, our Singularity record on Capitol, um, with, with the same sort of, you know, like, just do what you want and let us know when it's ready and we'll put it out for you. Yeah. And, uh, I say that because it's not something to brag about. It's just like, it's a very rare thing, I think, for uh, bands to just create what they want to create. Definitely. A label that is just going to support it. And I think that, uh, humbly, we've, we've put in a whole lot of hard work over the years to kind of have a license to have a label that will just let us do what we want to do. Yeah. And Tooth and Nail has been that label. So when they approached us and said, hey, we see you're kind of working towards something new, we'd like to be part of it, it was really just waiting until the time was right because the songs were ready and we knew what our goals were and then we were going to sign with Tooth and Nail and that was sort of obvious for us. Nice. Uh, just go back on something that you were talking about. I noticed... Uh, in the the VIP maydays that you guys were announcing, there was a VI there was a VR one on one experience that it said you guys had offered. Can you tell me a little bit more about the the VR thing? I'm really intrigued in what that was in regards to what you guys were working on. Yeah, uh, I'll start it and then let you take over. But um, that's also part of the reason why we are as active as we are again, because um, a few years ago, uh, Forbes had an event in Israel called Under 30, and they're collecting all of these individuals who are super influential in all aspects of life, from tech, medicine, education, arts, music, athletics, etc. And they put them together, two-day summit in Tel Aviv, two-day summit in Jerusalem. And at the end of the, the four days, there's this big party at the Tower of David, and we were invited to be the first band to perform a synced virtual reality concert experience. Wow. So there's like 600 plus people at the Tower of David, and we've written this musical piece that has virtual reality to accom uh, accommodate, or accompany rather, um, 
the the musical experience. So people are taking their phones as they get into you know they walk into the Tower of David. They have get handed this cardboard VR viewfinder. They're putting their phone inside, um, and they're experiencing these visuals in, in a three sixty VR uh, way, and we're performing simultaneously. And so we did become the first band ever to perform this sync for virtual reality concert experience. So that was just the beginning, and. Uh, I'll let Jacob Penn take over from there because this is both something Jacob's working on for a long time before that, during and after, and then towards the future. Nice. So I just got this video, which I haven't even seen yet, but, but this is from that performance. Okay. It's kind of cool. Uh, our friend Tim uh, Fain is a violinist. He's one of the top violinists in the world. Okay. He wow. He joined us over there for it. He's doing a TED talk, and so he wanted some, oh, wow. <laughs> some photos and stuff uh, from that. That's taking a minute to load, but no, you're let me uh, at least show you. This was like the space in the tower, and like you're in the middle of this. This yeah. is the oldest venue on earth. It's three thousand years old. Oh my God! And they had a projection mapping of the history of the city of Jerusalem basically take place on the inside of the entire tower. Wow. And we basically got to put all those people into VR together. Um, and then after that, they came out of the VR and um, that was what greeted them. So they're basically watching light and images like fill. That's insane. Yeah, it was so so special, and it was massive. Like so, here's here's a sense of the image too. You can kind of see everybody in VR there. <laughs> see? Oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. So we're gonna do that tonight. Okay, we're awesome. Let people have this experience or version of it uh, for sure, because not everybody's gonna have the boxes. But we're selling actually a virtual reality version of the album. Nice. And so we've got custom immersive light paintings um, that come with every song. So imagine being inside of a visualizer that's kind of like moving around yeah. you and rushing over you. We're working with neuroscientists to develop a haptics system that actually lets those particles and sounds as they rush over you activate vibrations. So you're feeling the music, you are quite literally seeing it as this kind of synesthetic visualization. And there are moments of fragrance, and so we're really trying to almost like think of it as like a chord that spans beyond sound and into the languages of our other senses. And that's really what multisensory aesthetic experience is meant to be. It's like a synchronization that plays out like a musicality for the body. The name makes more sense now. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so cool. I. Uh, when I mean this is this wasn't written on my sheet, but when did you start coming up? Like when did the first like idea for that start coming about? Like that's like that well, like when did the first like little seeds for that start getting planted? Because that's that's an amazing feat. Uh, personally, when I was seventeen. Okay, for sure. <laughs> like, um, yeah, and and it's really kind of a life's work. It really. Like from the beginning, we were having these conversations in an IHOP at like two in the morning, <laughs> just like dreaming on the back of a napkin, like what what it might look like one day. And this is way before any of these technologies were even close to. I mean, we weren't even thinking about the technology aspect; of it. we were just thinking about the experience aspect of it. Yeah. And so, in the last five years, so many advances have happened technologically that enable this kind of experience now to happen. Within VR specifically, there's 
it almost feels like a, a solution in search of a problem. Like people aren't quite sure what to do with it. The moment that I saw it, I was just like, oh my God, this is the canvas we've been waiting for. Yeah. You know, to really place something inside of music in that way is, is, has always been the goal. Um, we just didn't know how we're going to do it. That's amazing. Um, going on something that has to do with the visuals, I, artwork is something that is really important to me with the record, and the artwork for this is mind-blowing when I look at it. What is it, is it, does it represent something in terms of the album as a whole, or is it just like you guys wanted something that would look really immersive and amazing? Was there like, was there, I guess, was there like a background <laughs> behind the meaning of you it? You were just assisting us. It represents the band's MO as a whole. It's kind of, I mean, I'll start, but I'm, I'm yeah. also, again, going to the video, Jacob. Um, the artist uh, that created the, the image for the cover, his name, her name is Melissa McCracken, um, and she has anesthesia and she listened to the record, and that's what she saw. It wasn't an interpretation of what she, uh, what she thinks she would see. It was literally what she saw. And so I'm gonna let Jacob go from there. Yeah, so synesthesia is a condition where your senses kind of get blended in a way. Yeah. So a certain small percentage of the population has this situation where when one of your senses gets activated, like sound, right? Normally, we have a, pre a, a pretty clear separation between our senses. Uh, but for people with synesthesia, there's, it's blurrier, right? So for her, she'll hear music, and it will also activate her visual cortex. So she'll have responses in the visual dimension of the brain just to sound, right? So if she's hearing music, she's seeing it manifest, right? So that's another one of the things that are kind of like a, a north star for us creatively is the fact that something like that exists. Yeah. And we can study it. We can kind of understand it. Uh, but this is the first time we actually really got to create with it. And so she's a very successful artist. She's young. She's maybe 26. Uh, but she's, you know, very well regarded around the world. And um, we spent about a year with her uh, in this process, like sharing everything from the original demos and lyrics and ideas kind of informing the record and then the final record is what uh, led to this. And so as we, as we slowly released the record, we actually would release sections of the record that corresponded to the different songs. So we put out like five light years and you'd see this close up and it's super detailed and and then all of a sudden the next song would come out, it's like in the same vein, but you it's totally a different part of the painting. And then when the album cover was revealed, like that's the entire record. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I got the, like, one look at it, and it, it was weird. When I looked at it for the first time when it was yeah. sent, I was kind of like, I have a weird feeling I know what this is going to sound like. I don't know, but yeah, I, was, I have an idea. Yeah. And it was synthy, and it had that feel to it. Yes. Um, Very cool. Yeah, which awesome. is awesome. Um, the, last the fact that you know that, yeah. that your body knows that something is really what we want to invite people into. Yeah. There's a knowing that you can't quite put into words. Yeah. There's just, it was a weird, I, so there was, there's an artist, there's a producer named Zed who yeah. uh, has that condition and he made a whole album based around that. So I remember that uh, when he 
was doing the lead up to it, he picked 10 different cities around the country and each song was a different color. And each whole yeah. thing was so like Alcatraz was uh, the, one of the events, and it was like purple. Mm-hmm. And he did one of his songs, and he gave everybody like purple colored headphones, and everybody had to. It was it was really cool. It, it reminded me a lot of what you guys just said, cool. which is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing that I guess I wanted to ask you guys was, uh, and you answered it. You started answered a little bit, but what do you hope people take away from multisensory aesthetic experience? upon listening to the record? I think there's a lot of depth to the record. Um, I mean, for me, as someone, I mean, if I think about myself uh, when I listen to music, uh, just being able to kind of, um, with each listen, go deeper and deeper and deeper and recognize things that you didn't recognize before, hear things they didn't hear before, um, I'm still I'm still hearing things and songs on the record that pop out to me in ways that make me feel like I didn't know it was there, uh, didn't know it was part of the part of the song. Um, so for me, it's just about I mean, this is sonic depth. Um, I mean, in relation to the larger mo, uh, but uh, if I am responding as a music listener, I want this to be kind of this, um, uh, an explosion that kind of goes through a slow burn kind of thing um, so that you have this immediate excitement um, and the songs kind of grab you uh, off the top but then the more you listen you know the, it just becomes this kind of like you know slow burning amber kind of thing amber kind of thing you know uh, so yeah that's why love about the record so I hope that other people I can share that with other people at some point awesome um inclusivity you know the the lyric uh, I think that uh, for all of the goals we had in the studio sonically um one of my favorite things about the record is uh what the lyrics are saying across the whole thing um, opening up with a song saying uh, open up until you know there's more than either or um, the lyric uh, where do we go from here there is no love and fear so where do we go um, there's a lot of spiritual uh, tackling of issues spiritual issues um, kind of wrestling with the concept of God um, our our human duty to love each other um, and to include each other um, is something that I think in, in our country a lot of people are waking up to, a lot of people are still deaf to and um, uh, whatever spiritual practices whatever religions uh, people can subscribe to I think that something that we're trying to figure out is how to be spiritual beings that want to sing and talk about spiritual things without being pigeonholed and without being sort yeah. of subscribed to one particular faith or practice or religion and um, and sometimes life is just super hard and you gotta kinda go through the trenches and go through the struggle to figure out what it all meant and sometimes you don't actually figure out what it all means you just kind of know that the journey that you're on is helping you hopefully 
love people better, love yourself better. Yeah. Deal with um, the realities of of life in a way that brings hope through struggle. And um, I think that just begins with in the invitation of inclusivity. And um, and so for me, I, I learned a whole lot uh, in 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 those places over the last few years, and wanted to make sure that I was able to express that uh, lyrically in the main record. Amazing. Yeah, I love that. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> I would say connection in a very adjacent, like complementary way, and connection certainly between our senses, like that idea of like a resonance that you feel, even if you can't articulate. And um, you know, if you think about like the way sound and music work, you have know, a melody that kind of moves horizontally in time, it goes up. Yeah. You could stack on top of that a harmony. Um, if they're separated, there's just two melody lines, and there's something that happens when you put them together that just like gives you goosebumps when it hits. You're like, whoa, in combination, it's really more than the sum of its parts, right? So there's something about that connection, the way that it's connected unlocks something. And I think that we as people are the same. I think when you find creative chemistry, there's something spiritual in that that is, you just know it. And I think that's what we have been, you know, lucky enough, fortunate enough to find in each other is this ability to vibrate together <laughs> in a room yeah. in a way that makes us feel the way we want to feel and the way that we hope other people uh, can, can join us in. And so that, the way that things are connected I think is the most powerful thing. And if you walk into anything from the way you approach your day to the way that you treat people that <clears throat> don't hold any significance to you, you can just kind of brush off where you can actually be present in that moment and allow yourself to connect on a, a slightly deeper level. I feel like that's the first step almost in opening a heart or a mind to inclusivity. It's like recognizing that we actually are all connected, whether we want to be or not. Yeah. That our fates are shared, and that the lines that are on the map aren't carved into the earth. Like they're things that we've created, you know? And that above and below a culture or a faith or a language or a skin color or any of that is humanity. And if we can actually get to a point where we see humanity in each other, and even in the people that we don't necessarily initially like, recognize as our ally or a friend, if we can find that place of humanity, then everything else is it's just made up. That's a great way to close this out. You guys have been very generous with your time, so thank you very much for this. Thanks I really for questions, man. Thank you. That's what I'm here for.
so won't you sing it with me? One, two, three, now. Singing with me, one, two, three, now. So sing. 